inevitable destiny. Bind the woman's legs together, securing a chastity belt with thorns on both sides to refuse satisfaction from either direction. He might well ruin things for everyone. So, in its more prosaic details, the frost, the faint but icy wind, the plumes of breath and smoke, the distant neighing of horses and the occasional bray of a pack mule— all the sounds of a day's dawning in the company of men, women, children, and beasts, she could, if unmindful, believe the stream of life to be unbroken, with all its promise arrayed before it, bright as the morning sun. She drew her cloak about her rounded shoulders, and set out through the camp. She passed between tent rows, stepping carefully to avoid the ropes and stakes, taking caution on the furrows that cut diagonally across her path, and the stubble left behind by the harvesting only a week past. She skirted the trenches carved deep into the soil, where wastes floated on the sluggish surface of murky water, along with the bloated carcasses of rats. By mid-afternoon, when the sun warmed the air enough, mosquitoes would arrive in thick, spinning clouds, thirsty for blood. If soldiers stood arrayed in ranks facing the enemy, there would be little comfort preceding the clash of weapons. Though her mother had been a captain in the Legion, Renard had little sense of the makings and leavings of war. For her, it was a force that had until now been locked in her past, a realm of sudden absences, hollow with losses and ill luck, where even sorrow felt cool to the touch. It was a place somewhere else, and to give it any thought was to feel as if she was stealing a stranger's memories. The veteran she took to her furs had known that realm, and each night, as the prospect of battle drew closer, she sensed in them a vague weariness, a kind of fatalism, dulling their eyes and stealing away what few words they were inclined to utter, and when they made love, it seemed an act of shame. My mother died on a field of battle. She woke to a morning like this one, settling bleak eyes upon what the day would bring. Did she taste her death on the air? Did she see a vision of her rotting corpse there in her own shadow? And would she have known by sight the weapon that would cut her down, a blinding flash drawing closer through the press? Did she look into the glaring eyes of her slayer and see in them her death writ plain? Or was she no different on that morning from every other fool in her company? The question seemed banal, like things covered in dust, the dust shaken free, blown into the air by a heavy but meaningless sigh. Renard was not born to take sword in hand. The knife in its thin leather sheath at her hip was modest in its pragmatic necessity. She was not yet ready to imagine drawing it. As she walked, unburnished, her skin as yet unblessed by whiteness, soldiers surrounded her, and in the bright light which rose like another world, a world unlike the night before, she was deftly ignored, seen but not seen, and the sight of her, if it yielded anything at all, raised surely little more than a pang of regret the soft feel of her flesh, the weight she carried that surprised every man she straddled in the dark, none of these things were relevant now. 
but there was power to be found nonetheless. The cheap woman, as harbinger of regret, making faces turn away, making strong men bend to some task, frowns cascading on their bared brows. The pleasures of flesh made but a sharp fold in the sensations of life, and upon its opposite side, that flesh knew pain and terrible damage. In a careless moment, one could mistake the stains of one for the other. She was the reminder they did not want, not here and not now, and so she walked unaccosted, too solid to be a ghost, but shunned all the same. Of course, this could perhaps be said of all ghosts, the living ones at least. And if so, then the world was full of them, solid but not quite solid enough. And each day they wandered unseen, dreaming of a future moment, imagining their one perfect.